0: Right. Welcome to uh, Pastor Sipo from Longo yeah. Baptist and Pastor Craig from Pinelands Baptist or PBC, as uh, they mm-hmm. prefer to be known. And it's great to have you guys sharing with us today. And uh, I'm so excited about um, the topic that we're going to be talking about. And the topic is, is bringing healing to our nation and, and really the role of the church in bringing Mm. healing to our nation. And we want to just talk a little bit about that. I know that's something that's been on my heart. I know that's something that's been on Pastor Sipo's heart. I know that's something that's been on Craig's heart. This is something we've been wrestling with uh, as pastors, as leaders, uh, and something that we're very passionate about, uh, especially the role of the church in our nation at this time. So there are two questions we're going to be looking at uh, in the time that we've got together. And the first one is the question What do you think is the, the root cause of some of the real brokenness that we're seeing in our nation? And that's being fleshed out in, as we know, in many different ways. But I think uh, it, it is pretty obvious to us that there's a lot of brokenness we're seeing uh, right across our nation at the moment. And maybe we can start with you, Pastor Sipo. What is, what is the, your sense as a pastor and leading a congregation? What is your sense of What's behind this brokenness that we're seeing uh, in our nation at the moment?
1: Firstly, thank you so much uh, uh, Pastor John for having us here uh, today Mm. to look at this very, very important topic and and thank you to the um, uh, congregation people who are listening right now. Mm. Look, this is quite a um, a very, very deep and um, a deep question that, that will require much more time to look into but I'm gonna try just to raise what I see
2: <clears throat>
1: you know our country South Africa we God has blessed us with this country but uh, you know you, we see a lot of things happening we see a lot of violence we see a lot of uh, you know every time our people want to um, raise things that they're unhappy about it ends up with violence and we see a lot of uh, uh, you know, violent crimes, crimes against women and, 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 and girls. Uh, we see all of that, but all that is not a problem. Like a fact, that's a symptom of a problem. Mm-hmm. One, I, I would say that it is easy for all of us to go back and, and, and blame the past of our country. From, you know. But I think 26 years where we are now, after the after, after after the birth of democracy in our country we should have made some strides but we're not seeing those because there is a, a sickness and a disease that persists that that, that is continues to persist you know it is part of us having been in democracy for 26 years and that is inequality mm-hmm. i think inequality is the root cause of uh, of the pain that we see in our country. It is a root cause of, of brokenness, inequality. Mm. Inequality, when you drive around South Africa, you, you don't need anybody to tell you there's inequality in this country. You can actually see it. If you, if you go to, if you come to Langa Baptist and then you go to connect church, you will see inequality immediately.
2: Mm.
1: Inequality, <coughs> inequality is all around our country. Mm-hmm. Just where I am in mean, Langa, um, Pastor Craig is, in, is, a, is a stone thrown away from where I am. Yeah. But uh, five minutes takes me five minutes to drive to where Pastor Craig is. Just as I live and I go there, immediately I'm like I'm in another country. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of inequality which we as a church are, we are blind to, and um, we, we in fact we choose to be blind to, mm. because of that inequality, is causing a lot of brokenness. Okay. Brokenness it manifests in divorces in families. I'm talking about areas where I am, um, and creating a lot of anger and a lot of um, um, violence. Mm. So I I, I think um, for me as a church. That's what we should be looking into. Into the root causes is, is inequality. Not necessarily apartheid, not necessarily a race issue. Inequality is not is not a race issue. And I think it's unfortunate that sometimes in parts of the world and even here in, in South Africa, we make it a race issue. Okay. But but I think it's a phenomenon. It's a it's a <laughs> you know inequality. And I think if, if if we can identify that as a root cause for me, where I am, I think where I'm sitting right now, the root causes of of brokenness is inequality. Then people fighting to have access to to a means of production, fighting to have access to you know access to all these things, and people are, are fighting for uh, you know limited resources. Yeah. You know people are fighting for limited jobs, limited is inequality. And people mm-hmm. find that in jobs, certain people are preferred than others. Certain certain jobs are preferred for other people. Uh, you you know you you find that in certain you know companies, uh, certain uh, uh, people are, are preferred than others. It's, it's all
0: inequality. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Thank you for so that, Mr. I'm going to pass that over to to Craig and. Uh, yeah. Greg, some of your perspective on this—I know this is something you've been giving a lot of thought and prayer to as well.
2: Yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, John, and uh, thank you, Sipo. Um It's, it's kind of hard to like, you know, hit a home run after that. You know, you cleared all the bases. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you, and um, I, I do think it, it does help to have a sense of story, though. Um, one of the things that, uh, for me, learning coming from my context is, you know, we've been taught that we're these individuals that we're highly capable of, of choosing our own response, but there's an immense influence in terms of our heritage, in terms of what we've been given, in terms of whether that's advantage or disadvantage, whether that's privilege or not, and um, and, and I think one of the things, if, we, if we're looking at it, is to, is to be conversant with the story um, and, and, and to know some of the stuff that's going down. Um, and that's not to disempower us. It's exactly to be able to look at a context, like what's the gap between Pinelands and Manga, and understand there was a story, there were decisions taken, there were things done um, that has brought us uh, to that point. I think one of the sad things in our country that contributes to where we're at, though, is that we haven't found the right tools of change. So we recognize that we desperately need change, but the tools of change, even the language of change has become the language in which blame uh, either for Apathy or affluence or whatever it is, the very language of our change and the tools of change tend to resort either to anger, alienation, putting responsibility on somebody else, um, and and so the moment I can find somebody else to be responsible, what I don't realise is how deeply disempowering that narrative becomes. And you know, the government must do something, then I'll be better. Or or you know, this group must do something or others must do something. And, and while being very, very honest about our story, about our history, about where that inequality came from, because this inequality is not an accident. This inequality is a design where, you know, just heard it recently, we haven't got a broken system we're getting the results that the system designed to give us. And so if we're going to bring change, we've got to find the right tools of change. I think also just lastly, I I think the church has to, has to humble itself at this point and recognize in the language of uh, 2 Chronicles 7 that, you know, it's God's people who humble themselves and pray turned from their wicked ways, and what is the stuff that we've done that has added to the pain of our country? And and there's, sadly, a long list of things that is very sobering for the church to have to face up to, Mm -hmm. not least of which is our deep divisions that fall both in, in lines of inequality, economics, that kind of thing, culture and race. And if you look at the book of Revelation and the plan that God has for us, we're so far from those pictures. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, the massive economic disparities, which still play out in the churches. And, you know, if we were meaningfully in local churches, uh, in, in diverse communities, I think we would see one another better. But we live lives and have a shape which makes people invisible to us and therefore we don't understand each other. And so one of the things we just have is a fundamental breakdown
0: of understanding and communication. Thank you. Thank you to both of you for that. When I listened to you, I wish that we had an hour and a half just to debate the subject because I can see you both just warming up to it. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about it. But but we understand that we're in a context. Yeah, I, I think... For me, the the more important question is having identified very lightly and briefly uh, some of the underlying causes, I certainly believe, and I'm putting it out there, that the church has got a role to play in bringing healing to the nation. In fact, I'd like to go even further and say one of the primary tools God will use in bringing healing is the church. I don't, I, I believe this is God's instrument uh, in our country to bring healing Is the church. And, and Pastor Sipo, for you, what would you see is the church's role in bringing some degree of healing? And I know that's a huge question, but maybe you can just touch on one or two things. that you feel are core issues in terms of the role of the church in our country at this moment? One, John, I'm
1: going to be very brief and direct. One I think the church needs to be intentional. I think the church must be intentional. I think the issue of addressing inequality in our country will not, will not happen until the church is intentional. One, we, one before we become intentional, we, we as a church, we need to accept that we have a role to play. That's number one. That every mm-hmm. local congregation has a role to play.
0: Mm-hmm. Number
1: two, I think the church needs to come up with uh, need to be intentional by coming up with some programs, coming up with some strategies that will um, uh, help that local congregation in order to deal with in order to deal with inequality, which is the tools that uh, that um, um, uh, uh, Craig was talking about, Pastor Craig was talking about. No. Because I think the very important thing is that if we as a church we don't accept the fact that in our country there is inequality. If we live like we don't see that, we will not uh, come up with programs to deal with that. And therefore, I think it, 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 we, we, we have to accept that there is social inequality in our country,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, we all have a role to play. And accept the fact that we, we cannot run away from it. It is here, and for us to play a, a role in it. And two... Let us be intentional in, mm-hmm. in, in doing church, in doing church. Let's be intentional that let, let, let us do church in a way that addresses the issue of inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever way we do church, whether, mm-hmm. whether, we, we, whether it's, it's, it's the issue of, um, of, of, of common programs, whether it's an issue of leadership in our churches, whether it's in, in any issue, we, we've got to be intentional in dealing with the issue of inequality, because if we don't become intentional, it has a way of, of just passively, you know, mm-hmm. passively remain in the church, remain without being addressed. And I think we have to be intentional. We have to identify as local congregations, identify programs that we let. We're not gonna doing do window dressing, you know. Mm-hmm. Look, you know, programs. We're gonna work together. For instance, if if Pine-Lens Baptist says we're gonna work with Langa Baptist, it it. it it is not necessarily Pineless Baptist that's coming to help Langer Baptist. Hmm. But it is Pineless Baptist that's going to work with Langer Baptist. Yeah. It's Pineless Baptist that, that must say, that we have something to learn from Langer. Lange yes, we have something to learn from Pineless. Yeah. But yeah. for as long as we have a, an attitude that says, we're the ones who know, we're going to teach them.
2: Yeah.
1: That is going to. Uh, continue continue with the legacy of of, uh, of inequality and, and 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 therefore i think that we need to do that and and i think but we must be intentional we have to be intentional i i i, I there's something for me in langa to learn from painless baptist but there's something i do know for a fact there's something that palace baptist can learn from langa mm-hmm. and i think that kind of that kind of um um, you know, loving neighbor. You know, Jesus, uh, when he talks about the two, the two most important commandments, and, and, and really uh, Jesus talked about loving the neighbor. Yeah. And for me, loving the neighbor is coming up with programs that are going to be um, uh, helping us in dealing with inequality. And, 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 and I think each, if every congregation would identify, would identify the programs they're going to work on, i'm not talking about uh, john i'm not talking about having soup kitchen <laughs> john I, I i'm not talking about uh, um giving clothes away yeah. no mm-hmm. i'm not talking about that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about real social programs that are that are there to to um, to equip and assist and empower those who are less pro less privileged and and we learn from each other i'm talking about programs that are going to um, uh, you know uh, empower those who are members who come from those communities in our members that are going to affirm them
2: mm-hmm. affirm
1: those who have not been affirmed by were not affirmed by the system that we are living in so i, I think it, it starts from there but also it starts by we taking ownership of some of the mistakes of the past as a change mm-hmm. you know we we taking ownership that we for for quite some time and and here here I'm, I'm John I'm, I'm 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 not one person who plays a race card. Uh, those who work with me. You, John, must know me too. Yeah. But 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 I think but I think there is a there is a um, there is a unfortunate thing in this country. Another unfortunate thing is that. Um, we, we, we play race cards from both sides. Mm,
2: mm.
1: And that race cards is not helping us. Mm. It's mm. not helping us, you know. Mm. We, the, black, the black people feel, feel victims, the, you know, feel, feel like they look, we've been victims for, for quite some times. And, 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 and the white folks feel that like, no, we, we can't take ownership of that. But I'm saying, if all of us kind of take ownership, that we, 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 we have messed up.
0: Mm.
1: We, we all say we have messed up. Yeah. But we have an opportunity to start it again. We have an opportunity to redo it again. Thank you. And then there has been tension about it. Thank That's, you. In, even in our worship, John. In our worship, John, let me give an example. In our worship, in our praise and worship team, John, in our praise and worship team, John, for you to have 30% of a congregation as African, but you, you sing no African song, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know something like that in in my worship in my worship for instance in langa we have people who don't speak Kosa, but but we have to affirm them by by making sure that their language too is, mm. is recognized so what i'm saying is we, we've got to be intentionally in, in doing this not just songs not just i'm not just talking about songs but but then how do we deal with those who are who, who are directly affected and who are who needs healing in this area of um, of uh, um, uh, of of in this area of um, of of the pain um, uh, that is happening in, in in our country. So so John, let me stop there for now. Okay,
0: thank you very much. I appreciate that. I can see you carrying a lot in your heart there, which is lovely.
1: <laughs>
0: so, let me stop there for now. <laughs> Before I mess it up, let me stop there. <laughs> thank you so much. And and, and thank you for being being honest and transparent. I I really value that. Craig, maybe some of your thoughts on the role of the church in bringing healing in our nation and to our nation at this time.
2: Well, you know, you just said at this time, and I think we are facing a key reset moment. Um, you know, we, we are almost rebuilding so many different things. And one of the things we, that uh, the pandemic has done has forced us to look at these inequalities, has forced us to look at our story and as to why so many people are so extraordinarily vulnerable. Um, and, and, you know, in the kingdom, of course, um, you know, empire as represented in scripture as a force against Christ man's power starting all the way back at Babel is that we build these entities, cultures and nations for, for our own advantage. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the kingdom, it's the most vulnerable who are the most valuable. Mm-hmm. And that if you're going to design an economy, it's because you're using your strength for the sake of the weak. And you know Babylon is judged all the way through because she crushes the weak, she destroys the weak all the way to Revelation chapter 20 and and so the question of how we engage our nation um, and and the power you know when Jesus describes power, he talks about a kingdom, he talks about a city, and he talks about a household, and he says, the enemy's got to be driven out of all three those entities and so Finding a way in which this theology of the kingdom—and um, you know me—I'm always going to come up with a solution that starts with theology. Um, we've got to work out what the um, why our gospel has given us the results we've got. And you know, it's a gospel of sin management, is what Dallas Willard called it. You know, I'm a sinner. Jesus came to save me. I'm going to be okay. And and we don't frame the gospel. Now those are true. But, but we don't frame the gospel in creation. We don't frame the gospel in God having a people on the earth. Mm. Um, and we don't frame the gospel in the story of the recreation in which the people of God are the, the prophetic picture of the future for the whole earth. Mm. And so the earth groans longing for the day. So wanting to see the church in our day become a picture uh, so that the world can actually look at the church and say, so this is how we do it. Yeah. Uh, for me, key tools that, that we've been given, um, you know, to recognize, confess, and lament, uh, to genuinely go after the problem, not just not just one iteration, but to do some deep work on it look at the impact on our lives. And we know that from things like inner healing, we can't even fix an individual life without doing a proper interrogation. And so if we're going to do something in our nation, it is going to be going deep into the heart of things. And the church has to lead into that space. The church has to lead as to why we've left uh, things as it it were. Um, And if, as we lead, we begin to step into things like repentance and forgiveness. Um, walking in a different spirit, and then looking at the freedom you know the, the law can compel redress, but only the gospel can awaken restitution. restitution is a chosen freedom of the forgiven mm-hmm. it 's the chosen freedom of those who walking in a new spirit are no longer afraid mm-hmm. and Of course, when restitution is meaningful and someone understands what 's gone on. Um, then reconciliation can also become uh, a meaningful journey. So for the local church to become a model of the gospel we preach, I think is the first thing. The sad thing is, is that when we often look at our story, we realize the church has not modeled the gospel we preach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I genuinely, genuinely have a passion to see the church wake up, pick up our tools of change again, not the tools of anger and blame and find the language of grace that begins to unlock uh, the hope and the future. The other thing, maybe just to say very briefly is that I, you know, Siva was talking about intentional. We have to confront in the church, our passivity. Um, We've got to decide that we're going to do something about this. We've got to decide that we're going to change our shape. We're going to change our way. That's going to be both individual and corporate and You know, the definition of passivity in this space is probably when you've got a big vision, but in your your daily life has no connection to the big vision. You know, you you can know that passivity has got hold of you because you're holding something there. It's sort of like a big dream, but your daily actions are not yet. There's no congruence between what you think is there waiting for you in the future and what you're actually doing every day. I mean, one of the reasons I love Sipo so much is that whenever I'm with him, I see that his daily actions are so congruent with his bigger vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I'm always challenged by that. It's not like he's got, just got a big dream. It's that he's overcome the passivity and that his everyday actions are congruent with his bigger dreams. And I think one of the things that the church is going to have to do is get over our good intentions, get over our passivity, and actually start picking up the tools of change that
0: we've got. Well, gentlemen, thank you for sharing what you did. I'm, I'm really trusting that what you've shared is going to stir up something in people's hearts. Because to me, when the Spirit of the Lord is at work, it always stirs something up. You'll, you'll never find where God's at work, things are settled. They're always getting stirred up and for a good reason and for the right reason. So I want to thank you both for, for sharing and uh, for taking this time. You never know, this might be so good, we might continue this conversation beyond this. But thank you, both of you, for, for sharing. Really value both of you and appreciate you uh, taking this time to share with us. And the Lord bless you, and the Lord bless your ministries uh, at this mm. time. Well, good morning to everybody and uh, great to have you with us again uh, this Sunday as we get into God's Word two things that I'd like to share before uh, I get into the message itself. The one is a few weeks back, you remember that I mentioned that uh, we were going to respond to some of the crises that we're facing in our nation at the moment and told you that we need to be alert to that because we want to help you as a church and us as a church together to navigate the times in which we are living. And part of our response, you will notice last week that that Howard spoke a bit uh, about overcoming racial prejudice and how to go about that from God's word. We heard Alistair's story and a little bit of the things that are on his heart. These are all ways in which we are enabling ourselves to navigate these days in which we are living. Uh, This morning you would have uh, heard from Pastor Sipo and Pastor Craig from from Pinelands Baptist and Pastor Sipo from Lange Baptist how they are how they see things changing in our country and some of the ways that things need to change. The other thing is I am aware of the fact that um, the little the interview that I had with both of them took a little bit longer than what I anticipated, and you know it's always a difficult thing when you get a couple of pastors together and you start asking them questions about things that are deeply uh, that they're deeply passionate about, and so that that went on a lot longer than what I anticipated. So I might need to cut the message a little bit shorter, but we'll see how we go this morning. And if you give me grace, I'd love to share with you what God uh, has put on my heart. You see, the, in the message this morning, I want to speak about a topic that's very close to my heart. And I know a topic that's very close uh, to your heart as well. And that is to see our nation being healed. But when we, need, when we speak about a nation being healed, we need to know what is meant by that. You know, the phrase heal our nation suggests that something's wrong. It implies that something is broken, that something's not the way that it should be. And so when we speak about healing our nation, we couldn't mean healing from the coronavirus pandemic that's been sweeping through our nation. It could also mean a a turnaround from the economic crisis that's brought hardship to so many people. It could be referring to rectifying gender-based violence or racism uh, or broken families or inequality all around us in our country or it may refer to a real move of God which is evidenced by forgiveness and restoration, by reconciliation and healing. In in Elijah's day, there was a crisis in Israel. And at the root of the crisis was the spiritual decline of the people. Evil abounded. False gods were being worshipped. False prophets were telling everyone, everything's going to be okay. And everybody was literally doing what was right in their own eyes. And it's during this time that the Bible focuses on what one man was doing. How one man sought to bring people back to their senses. One man who was not willing to sit on the sideline and allow things to implode around him. Elijah is a man who knows the heart of God For people, he's a man who's willing to take a stand for what he believes. He's a man who understands his role in bringing people back to the Lord. And as we try to navigate this time of crisis in our own nation, let's remember who we are. Let's remember what God has called us to do in His name. On Elijah's heart is the healing of the nation, which he's finding far more difficult than he could ever have imagined. All of his efforts seem to have yielded very few results. His life has been threatened simply because he's been trying to turn the nation back to the Lord. He feels all alone in his attempt to try and turn people back to God. And eventually he gives up because he feels the task is just too big for one person. He no longer knows what to do. And at his lowest point, when he's right on the verge of giving up, he has a fresh encounter with the Lord. God steps in and it's this fresh encounter with the Lord that mobilizes Elijah again after returning from The wilderness in Beersheba to Mount Sinai, God speaks to him. And listen to this from 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to start reading from verse 8. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. Or that's the same as Mount Sinai. And then he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And here's Elijah's reply. I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me as well. The Lord says to Elijah, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then the Bible tells us a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake either. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, when he hears this gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the second time. God asks him exactly the same question, and he replied in exactly the same way. I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword, and I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me as well. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, And go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape, escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape escape, the sword of Jehu. And and it's this fresh encounter with the Lord that causes some self-examination in Elisha's life. You see, as I said before, it, when God asks this question, it's not that, that God did not know what was going on in Elisha's heart, but he was calling Elisha and saying to Elisha, I want you to examine your own heart. As we all need to do, we all need to be examining our hearts as we come into the presence of the Lord. Twice we read uh, those verse, that verse, what are you doing here, Elisha? And you know, these are the deep questions that that need to be answered by by all of us as God's people. We need to examine our hearts as well. Like Elisha, we may have begun to feel helpless. When we look at the enormity of what is going on around us, we may have begun to feel helpless. Lord, is there anything that's ever going to change this? Maybe we said to ourselves, it's a fruitless exercise to keep on praying. People have been praying for such a long time, and yet things just seem to go from bad to worse. Is it worthwhile to keep speaking about injustice when we just see it going on and on? Is it worthwhile trying to call people back to God? And maybe this morning I'm speaking to somebody and there's a spirit of despondency and discouragement. May I suggest we take a moment right now in this message and we pray about that, and we take authority over that. If that's got a hold of you or that's got a hold of my heart, despondency and discouragement. Let's put a stop to that in the name of the Lord, because that's not what we're here for. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, against any spirit of despondency and any spirit of discouragement that has crept into our hearts. Lord, we want to take a stand against it. We want to confess where that has happened and acknowledge where that has happened. And so, Father, we take authority over that and we pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy will be rebuked. And Father, that you you would fill us again with your spirit and encourage us in the Lord. You see, God calls us to examine our hearts so that whatever is holding us back can be dealt with. What are you doing here? That that question that God asked is not about geography. It's about what has stopped an anointed man of God from doing what God has called him to do. You see, in those days, prophets were instructed to call people back to the Lord. The healing of the nation meant calling people back to, To following the ways of the Lord. The healing of our nation just does not just mean praying for things to go back the way they are. It, It means knowing that the real issue is the spiritual condition of people's hearts. May I say that to you again? Because I, I, I think we can hear so many voices in these days, but what does the Bible say to us? The, the healing of the nation has to do with the spiritual condition of people's lives. When Paul was writing to the Ephesians, and maybe he writes that famous passage where he speaks about uh, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down with Jesus between the Jew and the Gentile, and he's made one new man for himself in him. But before he gets there, he explains to people why the world is in the state that it's in. And in Ephesians 2, he said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Here's the root cause of the problem. We were dead in our transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed The ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now at work in those who are disobedient, there's there's Paul's evaluation. All of us, all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the crazy cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And folk, if we want to see healing in our nation, we need to understand that the root of the problem is the spiritual condition of people's lives. It also means that we're fighting a spiritual battle. And when the spiritual battle is won, there'll be healing and wholeness. There'll be peace and joy among all people. May I remind you of that well-known scripture in Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And in Christ, we have an ability to take authority and drive out the enemy where he's bringing the brokenness. But it also means that the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. Spiritual. And if we miss out on that, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. All of our efforts will result in very little unless we go about it the right way. May I be bold enough today to say the healing of our nation will only come through the gospel. May I say this to you again, when we talk about healing, there is only one way God gives us to bring healing, and that is through the gospel. It's because of the gospel that people's hearts are changed. You will remember That that it's through the gospel that a person becomes a new creation. God says, I'll take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll write my laws upon your hearts and on your minds. That's what it means to have a new creation. It's because of the gospel that there is a reconciliation that takes place. That is in Christ. You know, the first step of reconciliation is we need to be reconciled to God. Pardon me. And after that, to be reconciled to one another. But it's in Christ that that reconciliation takes place. It's because of the gospel that wrongs are rectified. Surely the church begins to model. A new society, the recreated society that has come because of the gospel and because of Christ. And the world, as it looks at the church, may not see us getting everything right, but surely we should be modeling the new society that God has brought into being. It's because of the gospel that people can have a peace that's from God. Not just the peace of this world or everything's okay, but a supernatural peace that's from God. My peace I give to you, says Jesus. And it's because of the gospel that new human beings emerge from the brokenness that they have lived with for so long. And I feel strongly I want to impress this upon my own heart and upon your hearts today to say the tools God has given to us are found In the gospel the question that God asks Elijah what are you doing here might mean a whole lot of things to us today it might mean God asking us the question what's holding you back is it fear or hopelessness is it that we have lost sight of of God or even that we've lost sight of the power of the gospel With all the voices, with all their solutions, and we lose sight of what God has said to us. Or what Paul says in the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save people. And we resorted to doing things in our own strength, rather than in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the only way things will ever change in our world and in our country is through the power of God's Spirit that is at work. It might be that God is asking us today, why have we withdrawn? Why have I, John, withdrawn from what he has called us to do? Surely God has called us to be agents of reconciliation, and he's given to us his spirit for a reason. You see, a fresh encounter with the Lord means getting into the presence of God again. And, you know, sometimes the healing of the nation has to begin with God's people themselves, where they need to get their perspective right. We need to get our perspective right and become fired up again. Getting into the presence of the Lord is what sets things right, and it puts things back into perspective again. What moved Elijah's heart was when he began to experience God's presence again, when he heard the voice of God again, when he had a sense of what God was saying to him again. You see, when a nation needs healing, God chooses to work through his people, through his church, through people who are listening to him, spending time with him, aware of what he wants them to do. What should mobilize us as God's people is not just the needs around about us. And I'm not saying we should ignore it. But what should mobilize God's people is what God is saying. And God, God wants them to do what God wants us to do. You know, there around us, there, there, there will be many forces that seem powerful and very intimidating. But I think the whole point of these scriptures is, is that the most powerful thing that can happen to us, the most powerful thing in the world, is when a human being meets with God, when they've been in the presence of God, and they've heard what God was saying. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went and stood out, uh, stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, Elijah recognized it wasn't in all of these forces where God was present. It was in that gentle and silent whisper know, what made the early church so influential was when believers were passionate about their faith. They were passionate about seeing people saved. They were passionate, <clears throat> pardon me, about seeing people born again and spiritually renewed. Our passion for God needs to leak out into everything that we're doing, into everything we are saying and the way in which we are serving. Whole cities... In the New Testament, you discover whole cities experienced upheaval because people were coming to Christ. There were demonstrations of God's power. People were openly getting rid of stuff from their past that was holding them back. Remember, in in Acts chapter 19 in the city of Ephesus, that's exactly what was happening. Friends, a fresh encounter with God will renew our strength in the Lord. Isn't that something of what Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah chapter 40? He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and they fall. But those who hope in the Lord, in Yahweh, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Or as Paul prayed... For the Ephesians, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You know, a fresh encounter with God will ensure that God's work is done in the power of God's spirit. Remember those words as the temple was being rebuilt and the prophecy of of Zechariah. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. My work is accomplished by my spirit. Or maybe in Ephesians chapter 3, as Paul writes to the, the Ephesian church, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine according to his power. That's at work within us. A fresh encounter with God will result in God's will being done on the earth. Remember the words of the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. A fresh encounter with God will remind us that God has got a plan for each and every one of us. Friends, this is not about some people doing the work and others Uh, are not participating. It's that all of us, all of us, good works for all of us to do and to be involved in. But as Elijah hears God speaking, he discovers for himself, irrespective of where he was at, that there's still work to be done. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. And there were two things that God was saying to Elijah. Number one, someone else will continue the work that you're doing after you. Elisha, this man he was to anoint, interestingly enough, was a man who desired a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah because he saw what God was doing through him. And when he saw what God was doing, he said, I want a double portion of that. In 2 Kings, we read that when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Here's his prayer. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied. You know, each one of us that carries an evidence of the anointing of God's spirit stirs up in others a deep desire for God to use them like that as well. I was speaking to one of the young adults in our church a while ago, talking to them about some of their dreams and desires for their life. And this young adults said this to me, and I still remember to this day, and I remembered it as I was preparing this message. You know what? They said to me, Pastor John, when I look at a particular person in my family, and I see the way the Lord is using them, I would just desire to be like them in my walk with God. And friends, there should be something about our lives, something about the evidence and presence of the Holy Spirit in us and the way that God is using us that stirs something up in other people. You see, our role and responsibility is to be discipling other people as well. We're not going to accomplish this all on our own. It's, It's so important that we make sure that God's work continues through other people as well. But the second thing that that Elijah hears is God is speaking to him, and this might sound a little simplistic to you, but let me unpack it a little bit, that God's work is meant to be done in God's way. And the revelation in what uh, God says to Elijah is that the final victory over Baal will come about through an ordinary political process in which God is at work. It'll not just come about through spectacular demonstrations of power like happened at Carmel. But as God removes certain kings and raises up others. Remember, he was told to go and anoint certain kings. And that's why we're instructed to pray for those who are in authority. It's because of what God intends to do through them. And you know, we need to sometimes look at the the people that have have been placed in positions of authority, not just through natural eyes, but through the eyes of God and what God intends to do through their lives. There are a few things that the Lord has impressed on my heart through these scriptures. Number one is that we need to examine ourselves ourselves And we need to identify anything that may be holding us back from what God has called us to do. May I mention again fear and hopelessness, helplessness, weary, or maybe apathy. Even the loss of our first love, which may end up up in us going through the motions, but not passionate and in love with Jesus. Secondly that as believers we should be confident in God's word and in God's way of heal bringing healing to our nation we need to be confident about what God says we need to be confident that confession and repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation is are the tools. These are the tools God has given to us, whereby healing might come to our nation. And we can try all other means, but until we put that into practice, we will not see the healing God intends. The importance of fighting for Christian love to be practiced in all circumstances. And it's amazing how people choose to respond in these days. But the word God has given to us, we need to love one another, love our neighbors, ourselves, even to pray for those who persecute us and love our enemies. How different is that to some of the things we see going on around us? It's recognizing that we actually need one another. I need you, you need me every different culture group needs each other men and women need each other young and old need each other we need each other this is the new community and that God has called us into as his church and we need to affirm and recognize the way in which God brings healing and wholeness to people's lives I recently heard just from somebody I was talking to. We were just in a group that was chatting and said they, they were just telling how they'd been part of a group that had, had been ostracized and, and 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 rejected in a sense and treated really badly um, in, in the particular place where they lived. And, and, and that particular individual one day came and accepted Christ and gave his heart to the Lord. And I remember very clearly the statement that he made. There came a day when I experienced God's healing in my life. From all of the brokenness, the things that had been said to me, the way that I'd been treated by other people, God brought me healing. And I'm free today and I'm healed today because of what He did in my life friends, isn't that so true that we need to recognize that we we don't always understand how it happens, but that God can supernaturally bring healing through the cross and through Jesus and through the Spirit. But thirdly, we need to be praying for those in authority because we want God's will to be done through them. Let's pray for those in authority in our nation. We need to be praying for them more than ever before because we believe. We believe in what God says in the scriptures. We believe that God has raised people up for a purpose and for a reason. And we may not always understand that, but we need to know that he will work through them. And so as we close off this morning, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to invite you to sing that song with me, which I've asked our worship team to, to do. In the light of this message, heal our nation. Lord, won't you pour out your spirit on our land and God come and heal South Africa. Will you come and heal our nation in these days? And so, Father, I humbly pray as we close off this message, I come humbly before you. And I ask you, Father, that you will pour out your spirit on this land in these days. God, may there be a mighty moving of your spirit. May there be a mighty moving of your spirit in your church. May there be a mighty moving of your spirit in this land. And through the gospel and through the tools of the gospel, God, we will see people getting healed, restored, reconciled, wrongs being put right. Father, I pray that I pray for this supernatural move of Your Spirit in these days, in Jesus' name, Amen. Before we sing, may I just remind you of the Zoom room that will be open, and and we are there. There'll be I'll be there. There'll be a group of us there, and we would love to pray with you or the questions you may have. We'd love to to in, engage with you and chat to you about those. So thank you for being with us. And let's sing that song together. Heal our nation, pour out your spirit on this land. May the Lord bless you.